Welcome to the Panda Babes podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and this week I had the pleasure of chatting with my friend Kendra about her birth story and the roller coaster of moving to a new state within days of a lockdown, navigating labor and delivery prep in a pandemic, a fast birth with a hilarious support system, and the bond between her and little Rosie. I hope you enjoy it and laugh as much as we did during recording. Welcome to the Panda Babes podcast. Today, I have my good friend Kendra on today to tell her birth story. Hi, Kendra. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to chatting with you about your birth story. (laughs) Um, Kendra's been a great friend uh, and just confidant and companion throughout this entire process. And so I've really been looking forward to kind of diving in deep to her story and giving her a chance to share hers with the world. So... I'm excited to have you here. So before we dive into Rosie's birth story, um, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, um, like you said, my name is Kendra and I live in Michigan, um, but that's not always been the case. I've always been named Kendra, uh, that got (laughs) but I didn't always live in Michigan, um, which is actually kind of a huge part of our story with the baby because Let's see. Essentially, for uh, 17-ish years, I was a um, moderate to severe special education teacher who specialized in autism. And uh, my husband, Ryan, is an engineer. And uh, back in 2019, um, we got an opportunity to move out of state for a job for him. And um, we were in California at the time, born and raised. I'd never lived anywhere else but California. And when the opportunity for Michigan popped up, it was it was really something we could not say no to. It gave us a chance to have a lower cost of living, you know, let our mm-hmm. dollar go a little farther. California is not a cheap place to live. And it also meant that I could stop working, mm-hmm. which was really cool because my job as much as I adored it I mean I it, it, talk about a career like I invested like my whole life and identity into this so mm-hmm. deciding to kind of like give that up and just go somewhere and start fresh was really scary um but it like I needed it we had mm-hmm. just gone through a miscarriage mm-hmm. and you know my thoughts especially now looking back on it like I definitely well, I know that that just wasn't the time for us because now I obviously Rosie is, is who we were supposed to have, but mm-hmm. I genuinely believe the amount of stress with our jobs and just life in general, that just wasn't the good recipe for us. And so, you know, coming to Michigan, all of this stress was like released. Sure. And nice fresh start. <laughs> exactly. Like I didn't have to work. We, you know, just had a little rental. We were just chilling, trying to get to know a new state. We're the mm-hmm. only people we know here. That's so, hard. you know, yeah, right. And so, like, but you know, it was okay. Like, I got really into bread. It's <laughs> like before the <laughs> pandemic, everybody okay. I was ahead of oh, the curve. I see you. And Hipster so, bread. when it did hit, <laughs> when it did hit, everybody was like, hey, I need your advice because you're a bread expert now. So I had everybody during the pandemic. Exactly. I had (laughs) ironed out all the bums before this started. Anyway, um, 
we moved in August 2019 from California to Michigan. And then my birthday weekend was really fun. And three weeks later, I was pregnant. Wow. And <laughs> I, I, it was totally unexpected. We had kind of been like, eh, if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. We're not going to force it. Maybe this isn't our path. Also, I'm old. I should have led with that. I'm like a thousand in pregnant lady thousand. years. Um, I got I got pregnant when I was 39, mm-hmm. and uh, had her just squeaked in under 40. So that's that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so beginning November 2019 was you know where stuff really changed for us in a lot of ways. I uh, being pregnant in a state <laughs> 3,000 miles away from everybody you love. Uh, in itself was kind of scary and daunting and already kind of felt lonely. Um, but I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no idea what nobody did alone and pregnant was, was about to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got the like ultra version of that. So we are pregnant. It's around Christmas time. We're almost at 12 weeks uh, because I am <laughs> I had a geriatric pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which- uh, for anyone who doesn't uh, or isn't familiar with that term, um, do you know what, uh, at like what age does, uh, I guess. 35 start... plus. It's okay, a shame. 35. <laughs> if you are 35 <laughs> years old or older, uh, you're considered geriatric uh, in the OB world. And so <laughs> that's, that's a real term, and I, which is ridiculous that they call you geriatric. Um, I prefer but, advanced maternal age, but yes, geriatric like pregnancy like is that. the thing. So uh, just for anyone who isn't familiar with that term. So I'm, it's, it's, okay, I'm old. That was a thing. But it was actually kind of cool because we ended up getting to have more appointments. Like we got to have mm-hmm. more follow-up stuff because I just, you know, we have to be careful because I'm a thousand. So mm-hmm. uh, we ended up having, we did genetic testing. And so because of that, I knew what we were having by 11 weeks. Wow. So when we were 11 weeks old, I knew little Rosie Butt was coming. And it's funny because uh, my parents were like, it's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> it's a boy. And I was like, okay. Okay. That's, that. that's cool. Like, I, <laughs> it's a boy, which made it uh, complicated for me for naming because uh, my husband, Ryan, he... Mm-hmm on his on his dad's side all the way up like you know a couple generations through him they all had initials r-e-m not because Mm. they were like really fans of the band it just happened to be a thing but like so (laughs) if if i if we had a boy Mm. it would have to be r-e-m and like i didn't realize how few options there really are for boy names that That start with r that would be limited, I was like definitely. stressed out. <laughs> right. That'd be so hard. That'd be a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, I was I was stressed out. I mean, you're naming a person. It's not like it's a dog mm-hmm. or like a fish that you can just decide later you don't like that name. Like this is the person. Mm-hmm. And so we went through a ton of names and we couldn't find anything, couldn't find anything. But the one thing like I never weirdly questioned was that we were gonna name the baby Rose if it was a girl. And I honestly, I don't know where it came from. If you ask my best friend, I'm obsessed with Doctor Who, and that was my favorite companion of his. I promise you that's not why I did it, but she, she swears that's what it is. I'm on that. 
Um, but anyway, so <laughs> if it was a girl, yeah, if it was a girl, it was going to be Rosie. And I knew that. And um, her middle name is Jeanette because my other best friend passed away from cancer. Gosh, long time ago now, 10 years, I think, uh, next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, my best friend and I were like, hey, if we ever have kids and it's girls, we're going to name them after Jeanette. And she ended up having a Lily Jeanette and oh, I have a Rose Jeanette. And that, that was not beautiful. on purpose, but we made little Jeanette's garden. So you know, she gets to live on through our little sassy girls. And that makes me really happy because she would have loved this. Absolutely. So that's oh, that's little... beautiful. Rosie got her name. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was pretty cool getting like we had to go to um, maternal fetal medicine a bunch. Um, I also have a genetic skin disorder mm-hmm. um, where I'm literally missing like a layer of skin. It's called epidermolysis bullosa, EB for short. Mm-hmm. And yeah, essentially, you know, if you if you imagine your skin being held together with like hook and loop Velcro, mm-hmm. um, I'm missing loops. You know, it's just all hooks or just all loops. You know, I'm missing one half of that. And so uh, when I come in, you know, with a lot of friction, my skin like just comes off or I get blisters. Mm -hmm. And in my case, thankfully, I have the simplex version, which only means it's my outside epidermis. So it's like my hands and my feet get it really bad. Sometimes I'll get it and like, you know, if I wear my bra too long, my underwire will rub a blister. And like, you know, as I get mm, older, okay. it's gotten a lot better because um, your skin just toughens up. So mm-hmm. you know, that was a huge concern for me. Um, I've always been nervous about having kids because of that, because sure. it's 50-50. Like, it doesn't matter what dads bring into the table. Mm-hmm. No matter what, there's a 50-50 chance. And the statistics in my family are not great. Okay. There is way more than 50% of the people um, in my family that have gotten it. It started with my grandpa on my mom's side. So literally a genetic mutation changed the course of like the rest of our, you know, family's tree forever. Um, So I was really, I was really nervous about that. Um, It's really scary thinking about, you know, if they pull the baby out with forceps, is her skin going to come off? If they mm-hmm. take her out and tape something to her body, is that going to peel her baby's skin off? Because it takes my skin off and I am a grown person with lots of thick skin after 40 years. Right. So that was a huge concern for me. We got to go to Colonel Mess. My God, they like geeked out over my genetics like so hard. Yeah. That's all you guys. <laughs> this is embarrassing. You're, because, you're like, a they never met anybody in person. Yeah, exactly. Well, and oh like they'd never seen anyone in person. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> so, so it was like a lot. And there was just like a whole, I had to come up with a, like a delivery plan that was like super on the books for stuff. There had to be somebody from maternal fetal medicine at the hospital. So we did it at a specific hospital because there's just considerations we have to make. So, you know, I spent a lot of my pregnancy wondering, will she or won't she? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you how that went at the end. No spoilers. Okay. Deal. So, uh, yeah. Okay. We did a lot of genetic testing, which was cool. I knew it was a girl from really early on, which was cool. Cause then I could kind of start planning. Um, Kate knows this, uh, but I'm <laughs> very particular and organized and I like having things a certain way. So being able to plan 
is very like a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. When Maggie uh, said in her episode, she's like, I'm a planner. I'm like, oh girl, I know. I, same. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, if you can imagine, you know, most teachers are very organized and they have, you know, binders for everything, lots of things, color coded, lamination, you name it. That is Kendra to a T. So uh, if, if you just kind of created yeah. a, a picture of yeah. Kendra, don't forget yeah. the laminator. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's tabs for things. I have like printed labels for my life. Like it's the whole mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, I had, I had the, I had her birth plan very much laid out. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, I, I kind of, I wasn't there yet, but I, all I knew is I wanted to make sure she was fine. Mm-hmm. So anywho, that was, um, I think our anatomy scan was like in March. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, side note, fun facts. And I totally meant to say this in the beginning, but Rosie and Alfie are birthday buddy twins. They are. So they were both born on July 14th. Birthday. Yes. It. So I love that. And Kate and I have always shared that. So I love that about mm-hmm. our friendship is that we have birthday <laughs> twin babies. Um, so a lot of my timeline is going to feel very yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my timeline is going to feel very similar to yours because we're doing stuff at the same time. Yes. Anywho, um, what, so what was interesting about this time for us is, you know, I'm at home. I'm alone in a state. I'm pregnant for the first and only time. I mean, we knew going into this pregnancy because it was really difficult for us. Um, I was actually married for 10 years before my current husband, Ryan. And went through six, seven years of fertility treatments, like wow. with nothing. And mm-hmm. um, probably something interesting to know, part of the reason why um, I had such a difficult time getting pregnant is at the time in 2015, I had gastric bypass and lost almost 200 pounds. So it was kind of like a, a, you know, a mix of everything. Like the timing was right for stress in our lives. I was at a healthy weight. You know, we were financially in a place that would make this a lot easier. Nothing's Mm -hmm. ever easy with kids now, especially I know that. But, you know, easier, like where we're at in life. We're older. I come into this with more life experience. So, like, you know, all these things kind of coming together. And that's definitely, I think, why Rosie came to us. But Do you think going through the fertility treatments earlier um, and then now coming into trying to get pregnant uh, with Ryan, um, was that stressful? for you at all, kind of going back into that and potentially needing to do those types of treatments again to get pregnant? Yeah, and we actually did. I I told Ryan, like, right when we got together, I was like, hey, I'm probably not going to be able to have kids. Like, you know, because when you're dating in your late 30s, let's just put it out there. Like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to, yeah. like, wonder if you're going to text me back, like, hey, here's what I'm looking for. I'm divorced. I'm not a baby. I don't want to make the same mistakes I did in the first half of my life in so many ways. You know, I, I essentially mm-hmm. can divide my life between pre-surgery and post-surgery. Like mm-hmm. things just like completely changed in every way possible. And so when mm-hmm. um, Ryan and I got together, I when we had the miscarriage, I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. It was a total like surprise. Like one day I was like, oh my God, holy crud, I'm pregnant. And then, you know, you go through all the excitement, the scared, like Ryan and I, like, hadn't been like together, like for like, we, I think we were married. Um, mm-hmm. But like, we hadn't really ever considered it because he's, you know, 
four years younger than me, I think. So he's not young either. And both of us had already been in long-term relationships. And so when the miscarriage happened, we kind of said, well, do we want it? Like, do we want to do this? Like Mm -hmm. both of us kind of realized, wow, I think actually we do want to try to have kids. And Mm -hmm. so I talked to, I went back to the same doctor that I had done the fertility stuff with before. And I was kind of telling her the situation and she goes, well, I'd love to help you, but you can only have nine treatments Mm -hmm. ever. And I'm like, okay, well, how many did I have? And she's like nine. Oh no! And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Cause I'm thinking, cool. I'll just get back on the shots. We'll do it. You know, cause, Mm -hmm. oh my God, that is a process though. That's, that's a whole nother episode, but that that whole thing is the process. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) we, we, uh, went through all of that. She got, uh, the board at Kaiser at the time to approve three more treatments for me because essentially coming back to it, I was essentially a different person. So she got the board to approve three more. We went through one mm-hmm. and then Ryan got the, Ryan got the job in Michigan. So we were like, you know what, let's cool it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's too much. The medic, the medicine is like so much. It's really hard on your body. It's hard on you emotionally. The stress of like, trying to force your body to get pregnant is exhausting I can't imagine and I just like was done and then like you know having to move and stuff I'm like let's just circle back to the let's just circle back to this later when we're settled and then boom I'm pregnant and here we are amazing so I am alone in Michigan I don't have any friends all of Mm -hmm. my people are in California and so what does the girl do she goes on reddit all day or Mm -hmm. bakes bread and the fun thing about being on Reddit is if you, or you do, don't do it at the same time because you will burn your bread. <laughs> um, but the, you know, the thing, anybody who like Reddit and is a lady and is trying to get pregnant, like, I feel like you're so excited to finally join your bumper group mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're all, I'm a bumper now. I'm having a baby. Yeah. And uh, on Reddit no every, every month, every year. Exactly. We're not on like some beyond the bump thing or some like going to have a baby thing. We're having a baby and it's the July 2020 bumper group baby. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's all, you know, exactly. So, you know, you've mentioned already, that's kind of how we all, not kind of, that's how we all met. Mm -hmm. And I was so thankful because I didn't feel totally alone anymore. I had people who were, you know, kind of going through the same thing at the same times and, Mm-hmm. The other interesting part about being on Reddit that much is you read a lot of news and you read a lot from around the world. Mm-hmm. And so I was seeing things starting to trickle down about COVID like December 19 or 1919, 19, <laughs> December 2019. Some days it feels like that long ago. Girl, it has been a century today. Um, so, you know, I started, I started hearing things about this, like, virus and you know in my little <laughs> innocent american heart back then uh you you know we heard about the bird flu you know we heard about all you know stars all this stuff that's like happening in this far off land mm-hmm. you know asia europe somewhere else well not you know it's not going to happen here and right. so that you see more things and you see people starting to freak out you see you know nothing on our american news like nothing right 
But when you're looking at international stuff online, it's like, wow, this is a thing. And I was Mm -hmm. concerned about it because I knew numbers were getting worse. Um, At the time, my best friend was going on like a yoga pilgrimage to India. And I was like, hey, be careful. Mm Because stuff's starting to get weird. Like she had to fly through like Taiwan, Hong Kong, like all this stuff. And I'm like, please wear a mask or something. And at that point, of course, everybody's like, that's stupid. Masks don't help. And now obviously we know so much more than that. But Mm -hmm. so like I was nervous and I didn't really know how nervous I needed to be, you know, until like start of 2020. So right. January rolls around. Things are still kind of ramping up and we had a house in California. still. we finally had sold that. And so we were looking for houses in Michigan and I'm trying to, you know, at this point, what were we in January? I think we were around like 10, 12 weeks at Christmas. So yeah, because they did our announcement. We announced it. Yeah. Okay. So four months pregnant. I'm looking for a house. This COVID stuff's getting weird. We finally got a house and actually Michigan went into lockdown the same weekend we got our keys. Wow. So, you know, we had been, um, Ryan got to come to the anatomy scan. You know, we were hearing horror stories coming out of New York, especially of, you know, women giving birth without their husbands. Mm -hmm. I was terrified. You know, not only are we alone here in Michigan, but now we're alone here in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And like, and if it wasn't for you guys, I I don't even know what I would do. Like, you, like it's so it's crazy how big a part of my pregnancy and birth story, like mm-hmm. our group is, because saved me. I had no one. Yeah, I completely agree with that. In the fact that, especially before we were able to really announce that, you know, we were pregnant. Um, it was so nice having a group of people that I could really commiserate with about mm-hmm. nausea or just changing bodies. Mm-hmm. And we were so personal, but there was also this kind of layer of being anonymous so that you really could, you know, bear your heart and soul. And there were yeah. people who, you know, had a variety of backgrounds. So there was always somebody there who had a similar situation or could at least, you know, empathize with you a little bit. And it really, yeah, especially when the pandemic started, uh, it was being digital was the only way to communicate really with people. And so already having that established was a godsend. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's funny. I remember having, um, you know, we, we started off at, on Reddit and then, you know, those of us who were interested migrated over into the great pilgrimage to Facebook. And <laughs> that was cool because then I got to connect everybody's usernames that I had been, you know, talking to for nine months about all these things like so personal like you said it's just it's a weird mix of like having like this confidential thing but like with a stranger so you kind of share things that you probably wouldn't share with like a lot of other people which is also Mm -hmm. I think how all of us became so close because you end up just like bearing your soul and like everybody's like same girl same the the amount of raw Um, vulnerability in that group was um, it was amazing. It was, and it was exactly what we all needed. And I think that's why these bumper groups have existed for so long. Um, yeah. And yeah, moving over to Facebook was, it was such a kind of, it was a leap of faith really to, for everyone to be like, okay, we're all real humans. Oh, yeah. face, you know, you can't just go look at my post history and judge me on <laughs> the weird <laughs> subreddit. Like, oh, that makes sense. It's real everybody. <laughs> no, oh yeah. Okay really active in the Animal Crossing subreddit, just so you know. 
that's the other thing. Like, you know, so between Reddit and, you know, our, our bumper group, like literally Animal Crossing was the, the soundtrack to my pandemic pregnancy. I think like Rosie gets calm now listening to the Animal Crossing <laughs> because I played like 800 hours of it. So um, kind of like things for us, like after the anatomy scan really started picking up like COVID and worrying about what was going to happen, what the restrictions were going to be. And what was really sad is I had you know, I I want to be pregnant like forever. Two marriages worth of wanting to be pregnant. And like, here we are. I'm far away from every woman that I love in my life who I had been with them through their babies. I had held the legs of my best friends, you know, while they're, mm-hmm. I watched their babies come into this world. And like, all I'd ever wanted was that experience with them. Mm-hmm. And like, that part was really hard for me because I finally did this. And in true Kendra fashion, it was very extra. I am doing it in a pandemic. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, just get a date move. So I had a baby shower planned in California. Um, one of my other good friends was supposed to be getting married on April 4th. I was a bridesmaid. The dress is still in a bag in the closet. Erin, if you're listening. Uh, and... <laughs> I was talking to my doctor kind of leading up to, I think I bought the tickets in February. And for whatever reason, because at that point it wasn't even like super kicking here that mm-hmm. we knew of, but for whatever reason, I bought travel insurance for the first time ever. Like nice. I'd never done that before. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm pregnant just in just, case, you know, you never know. I'm just going to buy travel insurance. <laughs> and then I swear right after I bought those tickets, like the world caught on fire. And I was like, shit. I hope mm-hmm. this counts as a cancellation. And I talked to my doctor and I was like, you know, do you think I should go? And she's like, we don't really know a lot about this. Like, I feel like it wouldn't, like, it's not a risk I would take. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, I'm not going to like tell you no, but like, I don't think you should go. And I was like, well, okay. And so I, you know, I thought about it a lot. And then um, a couple weeks later, I think it was like the beginning of March, I started getting heart palpitations really bad. Mm. Um, like to the point where I went to the ER and it was when we went into the ER. So this was like March. We went to the ER and I was by myself because Ryan was at work and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go to the emergency room because I'm having heart palpitations and the doctor yelled at me. So I went and there were so many people stuffed into that emergency room. Mm-hmm. and like people coughing, people sneezing, all these things. And at this point, you know, we were much more aware, but like nobody was wearing masks. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there with my little pregnant belly self waiting to be seen. I was 20, I think 20 weeks. And I fully expected to get sent up to labor and delivery and they wouldn't. And I don't know why. Cause you know, anytime a pregnant lady goes into the ER, they're likely going to be treated in labor and delivery because you never know what's going to happen. And the, you know, the downstairs triage people aren't prepared for that kind of stuff. So right. mm-hmm. they didn't, I got sent into regular triage and the hospital, the ER was so full that I was on a gurney in a hallway across from a nurse's desk almost six months pregnant. Wow. No, I think at this point I was, yeah, March. So six months pregnant, hooked up to all these things with the world's worst IVs, trying to will myself to have heart palpitations so I could leave. Cause I'm uh-huh. like, they need to get these on record. And so I could do mm-hmm. it. I it didn't, I was there for hours and hours in a hallway, listening to people mm-hmm. coughing. I tried to go to the bathroom and some poor old lady ahead of me, like just smeared blood and poop all over the bathroom. <gasps> Oh my God. And I was like, so freaked out. Like the whole experience was so messed up. Like be, I knew things were okay. I was scared to be there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no mask, weird bodily fluids from old people. Like, no, thank you. So finally, mm-hmm. we we get out of there, and I go back to my OB, and I'm like, I I don't think I should go. And I looked up my travel insurance, and no joke, the exceptions listed pandemics and endemics as not covered reasons for canceling. What? That's ridiculous. And I was like, are you serious? Like, first of all, who wrote these and was like, you know what? We might have a pandemic. We're not going to cover that. Yeah. Um, what did they know? So I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, what, what am I going to do? And I was talking to my doctor. And, uh, I'm like, can you write me a note? And she's like, yes, but you know, it's not going to help with COVID and all this stuff with heart palpitations that happen. And so thankfully she was like, well, I don't want you flying with that anyway. So we'll just call this mm-hmm. a day and be done. And so I canceled my trip. And I was like, so sad. Mm-hmm. Like I had all the baby showers I had planned for my friends, like forever. This was mm-hmm. like my chance. Somebody right. was going to get to plan mine. And it was so cute. And the invites were so cute. And everybody was already coming. And I was like, devastated. Mm-hmm. Like devastated. Um, it was kind of like the little light at the end of my lonely pregnancy tunnel. I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to go home and we're going to see our people. And then when that didn't happen, I knew stuff was going to be bad. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was like March. And then by the time I ended up having to cancel, Michigan was then the hot spot. Mm. You know, we have an international airport. There's a ton of industrial automation here. So you've got people flying in and out of Asia specifically Mm -hmm. coming here. So for whatever reason, Michigan, you know, it was just the perfect storm that we were like a huge hotspot. So it was like extra scary. Mm-hmm. And then I think we, they went and we went into lockdown on the 23rd. And I think Ryan and I got the keys to our house on the 25th. Wow. And we had movers all set up and we had to cancel them. And basically Ryan and I, me and my six month pregnant self moved our entire life by ourselves to a three-story house. Wow. And my husband is, um, he's skinny, but mighty. Like he mm-hmm. literally carried a couch on his back into the basement. Like this man oh my gosh, moved us by himself. And like, I've never seen more bruises on a poor little person, like oh. ever. Like he was a mess. But he's like, he knew that he had to get his little family in. And he's like, I just went for mm-hmm. it. Went it's Papa actually Bear when up. we met our angel baby. Yeah. Well, speaking of Papa Bears, that's when we met Papa Steve. So neighbor Steve, who's an angel, he's our our amazing neighbor and they've turned into thankfully like family for us here. Um, He's watching, it's raining by the way, like howling wind and rain. I'm super pregnant. Ryan and I are trying to move our Tempur-Pedic mattress, which if anybody's ever tried to move one of those, it's a thousand pound floppy taco and it's not (laughs) fun to move. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm trying to push this floppy taco into my house while it's raining and all of a sudden this you know guy our neighbor who we hadn't really met yet comes out and he's like no 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 you get out of here and like knowing Steve now it's funny because that's exactly what he would have done but mm-hmm. we were terrified to have anybody help us mm-hmm. like I don't know how careful you are I don't know what you're doing right nobody was still really jazzed on masks and so that was like a whole thing and I was, I kind of had to just decide right there. I'm like, I can't physically do this. And Ryan is going to kill himself. We just have to accept this help and pray for the best. Mm -hmm. Like, so 
he pushed that was the only that was the only person we had in our house for like almost a year by the way was him wow. pushing this mattress into our bedroom for us so we could sleep on the floor that night and I remember he gave Ryan an elbow bump and I was like okay so you're aware that this is like not cool so that, that made yeah. me feel better um yeah and then that was that there was a couple of days later we had a ding dong ditch at our house and it was them dropping off um like make your own pizza supplies and we thought that was cute so we're just so overall sweet. just really thankful that we had we had them mm-hmm. um so we moved into our house in at the end of march and basically i've lived in this luxurious prison ever since <laughs> like we haven't really <laughs> left um mm-hmm. you know rosie knows these walls like very well um so yeah so that's pretty much like us like leading up to covid we didn't know really what was going to happen. Ryan was able to be at the anatomy scan, which was nice, but that was the last one. I went to all of the rest of my appointments by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had high blood pressure. I think it like, I just turned 38 weeks and I had one high blood pressure reading. I'd never had it before or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, I then had to go in and get a ton of uh, non-stress tests. So every week, I was going in and listening to her heartbeat. I had bought a um, at-home Doppler mm-hmm. so I could try to hear her. My doctor signed off on it, especially because we weren't even sure how many in-person appointments we were going to have left. She told me to get a blood pressure cuff. And if I hadn't bought one to get an at-home Doppler, because if we had to go fully virtual, she wanted to be able to get that information. So mm-hmm. she at least was like forward thinking on that. Um, I ended up going to all of my appointments in person for what mm-hmm. it's worth, but just me. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. But, um, you know, we didn't have any birthing classes. We never got a hospital tour. I called the hospital uh, probably like three weeks before she was born. and was like, hey, like, where do we go? Mm-hmm. Like, do I go to the, do I go to the ER? Like, where do I go when this happens? And she's like, well, for now go to the ER and we'll handle it from there. And she's like, but you know how this goes. And it was like a mantra with every medical person ever, you know how this goes. Things could change tomorrow. Things Mm -hmm. could change tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. Things could change tomorrow. And you know, at that point you wake up every morning, you find out how many people are dead Mm -hmm. and then try to be okay. Knowing that you're bringing a little person into the world. Mm -hmm. And that part was so scary. Oh, I wanted this baby so bad. And here we are. I'm bringing a little girl of all things into mm-hmm. whatever is happening right now. So like on top of like being worried about just trying to raise a woman in our day and age, it's like doing this in like the middle of a pandemic, like mm-hmm. the worst one on like record for us. And so that was like really scary, not knowing what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Being there alone anyway. Like, we didn't even know who was going to take care of our dogs. Because mm-hmm. um, it's the same as, as what you experienced. Like, once you're at the hospital at this point, nobody can leave. Right. <laughs> Which leads me to the insane amount of stuff I packed to go to the hospital. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm, I'm I wish, excited. I wish I had a picture of Ryan <laughs> carrying... <laughs> 
like 37 suitcases, a pillow. Don't forget my sleep mask. Also my computer, like all of oh this stuff. I've got like hospital flip flops and like car flip flops and like these pajamas, oh and a matching <laughs> robe and a matching swaddle and like all of this stuff. And like, make sure you get my pillow. Don't forget my pillow. And like, all- you, were, like you were that mom walking into the hospital. The hospital starts. Girl, it's me on top of me going, I can't ever leave. Oh, I had a cooler. I had to talk to a drink and yes. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like a rolling one or anything, but it was big. It was like an over the shoulder cooler. And we went first. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's so funny though, because spoiler alert, I don't even think I opened it. (laughs) I made Ryan bring all of that stuff up. And the nurses were like, okay, girl. Yeah, I don't even think I opened it. We got I another also one. forgot body wash. Like <laughs> we forgot, I forgot body wash. I brought everything but something to wash myself. Oh my gosh! Oh, it was so stupid. Anyway, Ooh. oh, that's funny. Um, so anyway, <laughs> there we are, living our little bubble life, trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Um, I had to go in, like I said, for non-stress tests, and then at 38, they did like a sweep to mm-hmm. kind of see where I was at. And I, I think I was like 50% of face and like one or two centimeters. And I was like, oh my God, my baby's coming tomorrow. She did not. <laughs> but I was convinced that that meant like it was happening. And I just mm-hmm. remember, um, I think Maggie had the actual term for it, but I just kept saying I need to get to a bagel. Because there was like this bagel that uh. they had of like, you know, here at one at one centimeter, you're like this, it's like a dime or something. I forget. Mm-hmm. You know, at this many centimeters, it's this. And you need to get to a bagel before you have a baby. So I just kept telling me, <laughs> I just need to get to a bagel. Like I need to get to bagel status and we're gonna have a baby. One of the many uh, weird food so references you make convinced. when you're pregnant. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everything is food. Oh, and speaking of food, I was like, I need to make sure I don't go over. I was so worried. It's weird stuff you get worried about, like when you're pregnant and Mm -hmm. also in a pandemic. But I was like, so concerned that I was going to go over. And I read a bunch of stuff. I ate six dates a day religiously. I drank raspberry tea religiously because I wanted a nice supple cervix for this event Mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be like I wanted her to like come like when she was supposed to and so like I'm doing all the things I could holistically Uh, this is like the only crunchy moment I think I had in in, in my pregnancy this was the crunchiest like I got in my pregnancy but after I did a sweep like things felt really crampy and then it kind of went away and I was like okay well I guess we're not having the baby that's fine whatever so we did no birthing classes no hospital tour I had no idea where we were going Um, because of all of that and my non-stress test and the fact that I was 38 weeks, I think I went in twice in my 38th week, but at the end of that, my doctor was like, Hey, let's just put an induction on the books just to be safe because the schedules fill up. We don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, I hadn't planned on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, Oh, okay. And at this point, honestly, I've been flying by the seat of my pants on all of this stuff because nobody knew what was going on. And I was just kind of rolling with it, which for me is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's pretty type A. So she was like, let's just put it on the books. And I was like, okay, cool. Like her due date was July 19th. And okay. um, I think 
my induction was scheduled like for the 21st. So Mm -hmm. it was, if I had gone over 40 weeks, we were just going to go with that because of the possible, like the hypertension stuff, even though I never had another high blood pressure reading ever, they take that stuff very seriously, Mm -hmm. like almost 40. So Mm -hmm. we just had it on the book and I was like, cool. And my doctor's like, well, I'm going on vacation. So don't have your baby. Oh my gosh. Which meant I was going to have my baby. (laughs) Of course. course. I was going to have my baby. So uh, I'm chilling one night, like, I don't know, one forty-five in the morning, TV's low, I'm eating in bed, because that's what you do uh, when you're five days away from your due date. Mm-hmm. And you can't sleep because everything hurts. And, you know, everybody's like, get this sleep in now. And I'm like, do you also want me to punch you in your mouth? Because oh there's no sleeping in the last trimester at all. Yeah. Don't like, feel- I wanted to have a baby. Just so I can sleep. Yeah, don't tell, like, pregnant mothers to enjoy their sleep because no pregnant mother who's in their third trimester is enjoying any sort of sleep. Like, I mean, maybe if you've got some, like, Unisom or something going on, but, like, even then, it's like, I'm still waking up three times to pee, like, I'm super uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. I gotta adjust my pillow Mm -hmm. 16 times, you know, yeah, don't, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. stop telling pregnant mothers to enjoy sleep while they can. No. And you know what's really like like the most offensive about that? It's usually women telling you that. Yeah. Girl, you know. My girlfriend, you did this. Like, why are you like this? (laughs) Why are you doing this? I mean, it doesn't get better when you you have have, the baby. Yeah. No. It doesn't get better when you have the baby, but it's still not great. No. No. And like, that's what I I will say. uh, You don't really sleep that much, but it's different because if you do lay down, it doesn't hurt. So like whatever little sleep you get is not painful. So I will take it. (laughs) Um, So it's like, you know, 130, 145. I'm watching Alone, which was very apropos. (laughs) Up by myself (laughs) watching Alone, Mm -hmm. eating. Because again, I think I had a bagel. I had like a protein drink. You were really manifesting this whole bagel situation. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I was willing this bagel into existence. Um, and so like, I'm sitting there minding my own beeswax and I was like, ooh, I think I, I, think I got to go. I got to grab two. So I'm like, well, Ryan's asleep. <laughs> He's never going to hear this. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> and no joke, I just felt this big like, and I was oh like, gosh. oh, 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 um, okay. Uh-huh. Is this is this a thing? Like, is, did I just, my water just break right now? P.S. Zero contractions. Zero. Okay. I was minding my own beeswax, eating a piece of string cheese. Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Maybe I farted too hard and peed myself. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Weird things happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Would not be unheard of. And I waddle. No, I waddle into the bathroom, trying not to, like, drip all the way there, Kendra. It was um and sit down and I'm like looking at my chonies and I'm all okay that is definitely my water breaking I am having my baby and it was July 14th at 1 45 in the morning and I'm all okay so we're early cool I'm gonna get done with this so where were where were your emotions in that moment you know it's weird (laughs) this this kind of started my like whole like from this moment until I had the baby was my whole, like, my vibe was, like, focused. 
I am mm, the girl mm-hmm. on every like school emergency plan. I was always the teacher that was like, take care of the kids, find their parents, like do all of the important things, like keep mm-hmm. everybody. Cause I'm very calm under pressure. Like I had okay. a very high stress job that if you like mm-hmm. freak out while you're doing it, you can't do that job. So like anytime it's like a crisis, like I am like cool, calm and collected. Okay. My heart was beaten out of my chest because I knew this baby was coming and I was terrified, but mm-hmm. I was also focused. So I cleaned ready. up what I could clean mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I waddled trying, I left a little drip trail all down my hallway to grab a pack of Depends. Also, I feel like every episode of this show is a commercial for Depends. Um, because they're amazing. I need to seek out some sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, you guys, we're here. But actually, they like I, I, I think it was one of the girls on Reddit that was like, "Hey, make sure you get like some adult diapers." And I was like, "That sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I'll do that." Um, so I went and I dug around in my stuff. I had my hospital bag packed forever. I took pictures. I had specific like purchased things. Like I made a very specific trip to Target, very pregnant to get my last minute things. Um, Mm -hmm. So like at this point, I definitely like knew my water had broken. So I I leaned down, Mm -hmm. like I went into Ryan, who was like sleeping like an angel. And I was like, Hey, honey. So I think my water broke and he like sat up and he's like, Oh my God. And he like starts (laughs) rushing. I'm like, just relax. Like I'm wearing depends. It's okay because like I was saying, like, I'm like cool, calm and collected. He's about to shit himself. And I'm like, okay. Um, So we get everything together. Thankfully, our neighbors had agreed to watch the dogs for us because once we were there, like we can't leave. It's two Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning. Somebody has to take them out to go to the bathroom. You know, they have to eat. Like, I don't know how long we're going to be there. For all I know, we could be there for five days, Kate. You know mm-hmm. how that goes. Like nobody I knows. Granted, you needed to have my hospital bag because yeah. <laughs> I should have only packed for five <laughs> minutes. I packed for like a week. Um, so I, t- I texted the neighbors and I was like, "It's go time." And she was like, "Okay, well, we'll check in on the dogs in the morning." And I was like, "Okay." Um, mm-hmm. At this point, I I was still like not having contractions that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. Like it, there was nothing, no pain nothing it was just like that cartoon like movie (laughs) water breaking like Mm -hmm. oh okay um and so by like 2 30 we were in the car and by three o'clock a.m on the 14th we were in a room like we on the way to the hospital i'm just calm cool calm collected i left my mom a message texted my sister called my best friend i'm like we're gonna go have a baby and she's like well you don't sound freaked out and i'm like because okay like nothing was happening besides copious amounts of fluid leaving my body so like yeah when we got there they're like do you want a wheelchair and i'm like no i think i'm okay and they were like Mm -hmm. okay and you know one of the benefits i guess you could say um silver lining of the covid business is that there was not a single soul in that emergency room but us. Oh wow. And I was I was super nervous about mm-hmm. going to the hospital just because of potential exposure. You know, we'd gone this whole yeah. time being okay. It helped that it was like, you know, 2:30 in the morning. And so mm-hmm. the security guard took us up to labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. I sat down, filled out my paperwork, they gave me a bracelet and we were in a room. At this point, we both still had masks on. Mm-hmm. And they got me in there, hooked me up. The doctor was like, I'm just 
gonna make sure that it's not urine. And I laughed and like, she literally like checked me. She's like, yeah, no, that's definitely your water broke. And I'm all cool. And so, now, like, so they, they were like, okay, well, you have to wear a mask mm-hmm. anytime anyone is in your room besides you and your husband, including delivery. And oh, wow. like that, I'm like super claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And so my whole like pregnancy, like not my whole one, since we knew about, you know, so basically half my pregnancy, mm-hmm. I was super freaked out about having to labor with a mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the horror stories know. coming out of New York oh. for sure. Yes. Yes. And like, that was what was so scary. And like, I didn't want to do that. I was super nervous about that. Um, I wear a mask religiously now, mm-hmm. but thinking of having to do that extreme, like physical, crazy thing oh, while yeah. trying to breathe through a mask. And I have glasses. So talk mm-hmm. about fog city and it's like hot and like whatever. <laughs> I was like, not about it. Oh my God. Yeah. That room was so hot. So my whole face was like sweaty. It was mm-hmm. bad. And you're like in labor. So it's already not fun. Anyhow, they gave me a COVID test, but they never tested Ryan. As soon as that came back negative, they hooked me up to all of the machines and everything because in case they had to move me to an isolation room, they couldn't do this. And so what I thought was kind of wild though, I figured they would have kind of done that first. Like, what if I did have COVID? Right. You know, what if I rolled in there? Yeah. Well, you guys get your life. That's how I don't have COVID. That's how mine was where uh, I got tested in the like admitting area and then was able to go upstairs. And so Wait, but, that like makes sense. And I was so surprised though that they didn't test partners too cuz if they're going to be in the I room know. as well. That that was mm-hmm. one thing that really surprised me, but it was also a time when there was a lot of like limits as far as how many tests they had available. So I think they were That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Mostly just trying that. to get the person mm-hmm. who at least would, you know, be kind of exposed or you know, body yeah. fluids and things going on. So yeah. that makes sense a little yeah. bit, but that that did surprise me yeah. looking back. Right. And because I was like, oh, are you going to COVID test them? And they were like, no. And I'm like, okay. So as soon as my COVID test came back and they hooked me all up, mm-hmm. I'm all, can he, can he go to the car to get mm-hmm. our stuff? Like I need my motorhome full of <laughs> things I'm not going to use. I need those. Uh-huh. Um, one thing I will say I'm glad I brought, and if I ever did it again, which I'm not going to, is, is my pillow. Like that saved mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. having my home, my pillow from home, because like nobody wants to lay on a like a little styrofoam lump. Like those pillows mm-hmm. at the hospital are awful. So bring your pillow, ladies. If you're listening, bring yeah. a pillow. Yes. I had nothing else. Just bring a pillow. Um, but he, they let him, like they had to like give him permission to go back outside to our car to get this. And that I was just like so crazy. And what I didn't know, because he was gone, I swear for like a half an hour. I'm like, what is happening? I thought maybe he got stuck downstairs and they're like, sorry, sir. And he's like, I'm trying to have a baby. Oh my gosh, that'd be but in reality, mm-hmm. like he had to go out. Like, I didn't know this, but the way we came in was like the service elevator for like hospitally things. So oh. he couldn't just go down and out the way we came, which I was like, well, this should take 10 minutes. He had to like go down the regular elevator. Yeah, regular elevator go walk all the way around the hospital to mm-hmm. the backside where the ER thing is and then <laughs> drag yeah. all of the stuff back. So I had a full on like rolly suitcase mm-hmm. and also a duffel bag and uh-huh. a cooler and my pillow. And I got a pillow for Ryan. 
dying. And like this poor guy, I think all of that stuff weighed more than he did. And he's like brought it all up. And he looks like you would imagine, like, a bellhop, like, at a fancy uh-huh. hotel, like, that had, like, a lady with too much luggage, and he had to, like, bring up her luggage. That's, that's what it was. Right. And the nurses are like, wow, you're prepared. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been planning. <laughs> I have you. nothing else to do. <laughs> thank you. Oh, my God, thank you for noticing. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> um, so, like, at this point, it's 3 a.m. My water broke at like 1.45 and I still wasn't having any contractions or like not ones that mattered. And I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I posted my birth story on the bumper group and like everybody had a lot of questions about why they induced me like right there. Mm-hmm. And like at the, at the moment, I was kind of just like, I'm just going to do whatever they're going to say because, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's right. actually, like, mm-hmm. that's the funny part about this whole thing. On my last OB appointment, she was like, okay, well, like, you know, do you have a birth plan? Because that's, like, the thing. You know, let's write out your birth mm-hmm. plan. What do you want for yourself? Do you want this? Do you want that? And I looked at her and I'm like, okay, well, I've thought a lot about this. And she's like, already I can see her, like, wanting to roll her eyes about this because I'm sure mm-hmm. it gets, like, so extra. Right? So, and People I'm, do get very particular. Oh, like, I only want lavender scented candles, and I only want three of them. Like, it's like a writer yeah. at, like, a, for a famous person. Like, I only need green m and yes. uh, in my backstage room. <laughs> exactly. um, this is your pregnancy writer. That's what they should call that, a pregnancy writer. Oh, Here's like all that. the things that I want. <laughs> Done. So, she, she, I'm like, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about my birth plan. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, basically, I'm going to push when you say push, and I want drugs. And she laughed and she's all, that's my girl. She's all, honestly, the best, fastest way to guarantee that nothing goes to plan is to make a birth plan. (laughs) And I'm all, well, there you go. I'm not going to do that. That's all cool. Amazing. Because, like, I don't know. (laughs) So, like, you know, I had obviously thought about the induction because we had one scheduled just in case. And I wasn't, like, worried about it. Because, like, I, honestly, this was, like, the weirdliest go with the flow I was about all of this. And this was, like, the biggest part. And I think maybe that's why. Because, like, when my crisis mode kicks in, I'm just, like, very, like, focused. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they were, like, well, your water broke at 145. We don't want you going past 18 hours mm-hmm. after your water broke, like, you know, going into labor. And I was, like, okay, so, like, so we're going to start you on – Pitocin and we'll start it out like really low. And I was like, okay. And she was like, I'm going to check you one more time. And at that point I was only three centimeters and I was still like 50% of face. And so I was like really surprised because it had been a week since my last thing and it hadn't budged. I was not nearing bagel yet. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, how long is this going to take? And um, when they checked me, I was three and a half, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, my cervix felt so Hi. I was joking that it was like up in the back of my throat and like <laughs> every time somebody would come in, it was like residence too. Like it was like uh-huh. a teaching hospital. And so I remember this one guy, I think it was the guy that actually ended up delivering her. Um, like I swear it felt like he had his entire forearm, like up my body trying to like feel my <laughs> cervix. That was a thousand percent more painful and uncomfortable than most of what I had dealt with. And I was about to have a baby. Like this mm-hmm. was not pleasant. And so after he did that, I every anytime anybody was coming in to check me, 
I'll tell just so you know, it's in the back of my throat. So be yeah. gentle. Like when you take your arm really going. Body. Right. <laughs> um, and they put like a bunch of sensors on me on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it got kind of scary because anytime I would move at all, she would bump off the sensor on the outside. Mm. And so, you know, nurses were constantly running in my room, like worried that something was happening. And so that puts you on edge because you're like, shit, is it the monitor? Is it me? Like, is it the baby? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Right. Um, so they ended up putting an internal monitor on her. And that was like, I was nervous about that because you're like literally sticking something up there. I feel like mm-hmm. they like put it on their head. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't actually know the procedure, but I think that's what that is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was, like, stressed out about that. Um, but then at least I could, like, roll on my side. That was, like, a godsend. Because at that at this point, I'm just, like, sitting there uncomfortable in one position. Because if I move at all, it throws her off the sensor. Mm-hmm. That was, like, one of the worst parts. Because you're already so uncomfortable. And I can't move. And I'm worried about the baby. It was awful. And so once we got the internal monitor in, that was a lot better. Because I could roll on my side, even though mm-hmm. that wasn't exactly helpful but at this point did you have uh like an epidural at all any pain medication oh no were you just yet okay we were just trying to see what the pitocin was doing so I think I was on it for about an hour hour and a half Mm -hmm. and I had only gone to four and a half centimeters but the contractions had officially started Mm -hmm. and anyone who has been on pitocin knows that you know it's it's essentially medically inducing, you know, your contractions. Mm -hmm. And so it's very suddenly painful. It's not like one of those things that you work up to it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, tell them I want an epidural. This is not fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to do any of this. Like this modern medicine, come get a girl. Like, let's do this. (laughs) Um, and she's all like, okay, well, you know, noted. And like the nurse at the time was like really nice. She was very sweet. And I was like, okay, well, like in my head, that's going to be like the nurse that's going to be there. So I was like getting comfortable with that idea. Cause you know, that makes a lot of difference. Like it really does. who is in there like dealing with, cause you were just under so much stress and pain and like all of your niceness like goes out the window and you're just like, mm-hmm. just come in here and shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she came in, checked me one more time. And then she's like, okay, well, my shift's over. The, you know, day nurse is coming. And I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm probably like, I hope that she's nice, like whatever. And she came in and she was like, I'm not small. Like I'm like, you know, five, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm very pregnant. I'm like, you know, broad shouldered. I'm not a small person. And like mm-hmm. the tiniest nurse ever walks into my room and I'm all, okay. Like, I hope you don't have to lift anything heavy, tiny person. (laughs) She was like, she was like really sassy. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure if it was the kind of sassy I was going to like. There's different kinds. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I was in, man, I was in so much pain. I wasn't really progressing. The contractions were like just clockwork five minutes and about Mm -hmm. a million hours long, each one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, it was bad. I was like, wow, this is why people do epidurals like this is awful it's exhausting yeah. and yeah, fuck, it is and so I'm telling her how much pain I'm in and she's like well do you want some morphine mm-hmm. and I was like honest to god this, this was the first time I've ever even heard that being part of like the process and maybe it was my you know just 
ignorance on this because I didn't have a lot of classes or information this whole time. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I didn't know that was like a thing people did. And I was like, oh my God, it's okay. I, all of me wanted to be like, yes, just dope me up. This is horrible. But then like the mom part is like, is that okay for my baby? Like, yeah. is she gonna come out like addicted to heroin? Like, what, what does this mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, so I'm telling her like through these contractions, I'm like, is it okay for my baby? And she goes, oh yeah, yeah, we're totally gonna pump you full of a lot of stuff that's super bad for your baby at the hospital. And I look at her and I laugh and I'm like, okay, it's the kinesthesia I like. Okay. <laughs> so I was all, okay, cool. Her name was Stephanie, I adore her. And like, mm -hmm. I totally, I'm going to like write her something like after this, now that the baby's a year old and just thank her. Cause she literally, she made it through this thing with me and I'm so thankful for that little woman. Mm -hmm. So she gave me the morphine and like, it was like one shot in your IV and then like one in your butt. Okay. And she's like, it'll take the edge off. It'll last like four to six hours. And I'm like, cool. Because by this point I hadn't slept since July 12th. Mm -hmm. because you know essentially technically it was the 14th when I gave birth but it was like the night of the 13th so the last time I slept was July 12th oh my all day July 12th all you know or all day the 13th and then went in there so I was like exhausted I never slept mm -hmm. at the hospital like before she was born um but I was just like I finally at least just got to relax a little bit mm -hmm. and then every contraction like I was on my side mm -hmm. I would grip the like bed rail mm -hmm. and I swear I thought I was gonna rip that thing off. I've never held onto something harder in my whole life. Those have to be such and industrial the, strength beds. Um right because I'm strong and it hurt a lot. And I was like gonna rip it off the thing. And so it only lasted um like an hour and a half. Like I don't know where four to six hours came from. Mm -hmm. It was it was great while it lasted, but then the hour and a half was up and I told the nurse that I thought I was going to rip the rail off the bed and she um, assured me that many had attempted and none had succeeded. So she was pretty <laughs> sure it was gonna come off. I'm like, okay. Uh -huh. um, the, the funny thing was, I, I would say it to like everybody who came in, the worst part was that when I would go through each contraction, I was breathing so hard, mm -hmm. like, like through each one that my throat was so raw because oh. you're just like trying to focus like all of this like pain energy and like the morphine had by far worn off. Mm -hmm. And I was telling anybody who would listen, I'm all, I'm going to invent throat chapstick because this is awful <laughs> and it hurts so bad. And they were just like, okay, lady. And by then I was literally only at six centimeters. So all of this stuff, all the morphine, all of the Pitocin, they had to up me on Pitocin because like it wasn't going fast enough. Mm -hmm. And so finally at six centimeters, she's like, you're ready for an epidural. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Please, yes. And so the anesthesiologist took her sweet time. And by that, I mean like an hour and a half. Oh, wow. And so two hours between us requesting it. And then she had to like go to the OR and there were other moms ahead of me. There was like a set of twins that just like came, like it was all this crazy stuff that happened mm -hmm. between me and getting my epidural. And by the time she finally made it, I was having like one minute long contractions, two to three minutes apart. Oh my God. Like clockwork. I mean, mm -hmm. Ryan loves to talk about how, cause you can see like five rooms worth of monitors on yours. Cause the nurses like it's everybody's things. Obviously I don't mm -hmm. know who they are. 
but my contractions looked like a textbook. Wow. It was all up, down, up, down, up, down. And the other ones were just all scrabbledy, scrabbledy, scrabbledy. <laughs> and Ryan was like, look at that. I'm like, this is very on brand for me. Thank you. I, I feel very <laughs> like, proud of my contraction lumps. Uh-huh. Um, but like the nurse was like, listen, I'm not going to check you again because mm-hmm. I'm nervous that you're going to be too far and they're going to say no. And I was Ooh. like, mm-hmm. okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. So there I am. And you know, like nobody can be in the room during the epidural because it's a sterile procedure. Mm-hmm. So Ryan had to leave. It was me, the nurse and the anesthesiologist. And I didn't know this, but the process is you take your huge contracting pregnant self, dangle your legs off the table, mm-hmm. smush your giant you know, pregnant belly and like lean forward and try not to move mm-hmm. while somebody is sticking a needle directly into your spinal cord. You know, yeah. like, oh my very, God, I'm glad they didn't tell relaxing. people that, I guess. Yeah. So relaxing. <laughs> oh, also like, so the funny part of this is my hulking giant self is like leaned over the smallest nurse ever. Well, are you going to be able to catch me if I fall yeah. off this bed? She's all, absolutely not. She's all, no. She's all, keep your shit on there. I'm all, okay. <laughs> oh, and at this point, what was interesting is, you know, so I got COVID tested. Ryan didn't. Mm-hmm. I just kind of stopped putting my mask back on mm-hmm. when people would come in the room mm-hmm. and nobody said anything. And so I just kind of left it off. Because at mm-hmm. that point, you're like so deep in it. I'm like sideways trying to breathe through it, burning mm-hmm. my throat. My body's hurting. And Ryan wore a mask the entire time he was there. Oh, wow. um, I think he actually fell asleep, fell asleep in it at one point. But um, <laughs> so like I had I had to put a mask on, obviously, for the epidural and all of this. And mm-hmm. the nurse was like, listen, because I, I was getting scared. I'm like, am I going to have to put this on for labor? Because even just contractions with the mask on was like unpleasant. And I would have done it. But mm-hmm. like, Right. <laughs> and she's like, listen, you haven't had it on this whole time. She's like, you have a negative COVID. You have a negative COVID test. All of us are masked up. She's like, don't worry about it. If somebody says something to you, cool, but just mm-hmm. don't say anything. And I was right. like, thank mm-hmm. you, little person. Um, <laughs> Miss Stephanie, I love you. Um, so I'm like, like hunched over. I'm going through full on contractions while trying to stay perfectly still. I literally have never experienced anything like that in my life while somebody has a needle in my spine. Mm-hmm. And like, it was awful. It was not going well. It mm-hmm. was not fast. Lightning bolts kept shooting down both of my legs, oh mostly my on my left. She would move the needle and it literally felt like hot electric fire was jamming down my legs. Like in the middle of having these contractions, this Mm -hmm. shit's not going well. I'm starting to feel a little panicky because like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And she kept just pumping it into other weird places. And it was like, I thought it was just like one little shot and you're done. It was like a whole event. Mm -hmm. And then she attached it to me with all of that like plastic adhesive. Mm -hmm. And all I could think like the whole time was this is going to rip my entire back skin off when oh, this no. is done. Mm-hmm. I can't even wear like a regular Band-Aid. And oh, wow. so knowing all of this was on there, I was just, oh my God, this is going to be like awful later, but I just have to like have a baby and I'll deal with it later. Right. It took her 30 minutes to do the epidural. <gasps> oh no. And 
she said, um, it'll be about a 30 more minutes until it'll kick in, but then you should find some relief. Spoiler alert. I was holding a baby 25 minutes later. Oh my gosh. Um, so, <laughs> so she leaves as she walked out, the doctors walked in to do another check and I was at eight and a half centimeters and Whoa. I could still feel everything. It went oh, wow. like, boom. And I'm all cool. Great. Glad mm -hmm. they didn't check me. Cause they definitely would have been like, sorry, Charlie. Yeah. Um, but I could still feel everything. And I was like, that's weird. And they kept going, it's okay. It'll kick in. It's okay. It'll kick in. And then it yeah. did, but only <laughs> the top part of my left thigh. Oh no. <laughs> was like dead numb. And the mm -hmm. rest of me was completely like unmedicated. That is so, not where we were focusing, people. That is not <laughs> the plan at all. I was like the uh, opposite lady. I was like, no, I want all of the drugs and it didn't work. And I was like, okay, well, uh -huh. we're doing this. We're here. We're doing this. Yeah. Ryan loves to joke that I had a Scientology birth because no joke, I was silent through oh, like really? all of this. <gasps> me, of all people. Yeah. you silent. You must have been focused. I was very focused. I didn't even say anything. I didn't speak really. From basically six centimeters on, I was essentially silent. Wow. I would speak like when spoken to, like barely, but I was just like so focused on like trying to like get my life together because I was about to have a baby. My epidural didn't work. Mm -hmm. I was essentially, I would say like 80% unmedicated. Like if you count the like five seconds of morphine relief I had and the top mm -hmm. half of my left eye, which felt amazing. <laughs> Um, but everything else was just kind of not going to the plan that I didn't have. So it was fine. <laughs> I didn't have there a plan. Go. So nothing That's was going to that. Exactly. So the, the scary part was I had to lay on my side because every heart or every contraction I had, her heart rate would drop. So I kept mm -hmm. having to flip over. So every time it would happen, I'd have to go to the other side. And mm -hmm. on one of those things, I remember this like so clearly. I'm sorry. I was like, I wasn't scared like the whole time. I was like focused mm -hmm. and like everybody left and I like was on my side. I'm holding Ryan's hand mm -hmm. and I just told him I'm like, I was shaking so bad. You know, I don't know if you got the shakes, mm -hmm. but like, there's like this, like, there's that, that weird, like auto response where your body just like has like, you know, shakes and shivers. I just told him I was like so scared. I was so scared because like nothing had gone to our plan that I didn't have. Right. <laughs> but it was like the only plan I had was like to be medicated. So that had gone out the window and I was like, we're going to do this. And I'm like really scared. And then he started crying because I'm finally scared. He said that he genuinely, no kidding. He's like, if you had not had an appropriate grip on my hand, he thought I was going to break his fingers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he was like, it hurts so bad. And I'm all, it sucks to be you. I'm about to shit a baby out my body. So you can yeah. get over that. I told him I was like really scared. And I felt, I kept telling him, I'm like, I can feel her down there. Mm -hmm. I can feel her. And he was like, oh, you know, it's fine. Remember, she said you're going to feel pushy mm -hmm. and this, that, and the other thing. And, and looking back on it now, I'm actually really glad that the epidural situation didn't work out the way that I thought because I was very much in control of my body. Mm -hmm. I was very aware of what was happening. I could feel where she was. I, you know, 
like in all of the births that I had been in with my friends, it was the doctor saying, okay, you're having a contraction, take a deep breath and go. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, because I was essentially unmedicated, I'm saying, okay, I'm about to have a contraction. Sure, so exactly. I'm, you Much know, more control. In, in control. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. In hindsight, I was really grateful because I felt really in control during those last, like really important minutes. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of where things start going crazy fast because I'm laying there. I just had this stupid epidural that's not working. I'm crying. I'm telling Ryan, like, I'm really scared because it's scary. You wait all this time and you're like, oh my God, we're probably going to meet this baby. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's a lot. And then I was like, I feel like, I feel like she's down there. And he goes, well, you know, they're, they're, they say you're going to feel pushy. And so Stephanie was like, um, well, do you want to try the nurse? She was like, do you want to try like a practice push? And I was feeling like a lot of pressure. And I kept mm-hmm. telling her, like, I felt like the baby was there. And she said, I know it feels like that. And I'm like, okay. And so she began to position. It's only the three of us in this room. Mm-hmm. Tiny baby nurse Stephanie, Ryan and myself. And, you know, we got into the position. The nurse, you know, she had one leg. Ryan had the other. And when I felt a contraction coming, I would take a deep breath. And then the nurse, I took a deep breath. And the nurse was like, okay. She's like, I want you to push. I'll like count to 10. And mm-hmm. she got to seven. And started yelling, stop, stop, stop. Oh, my God, there's so much dark hair. Stop. Oh, my gosh. And I'm all, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> and I'm all, I told you I thought I felt something. And so she's all, stop. She's all, I don't get paid for this. We have to oh, my God. Doctor. And I'm all, okay. Mind you, my doctor's on vacation. Right. So, like, I already knew that my doctor was not going to be delivering her, which... Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, because it was like a teaching hospital and because I had all the maternal fetal medicine, I had all the non-stress tests and all the ultrasounds. So many people had seen my vagina at that point. I was like, you know what? <laughs> just whoever's going to do this, let's just yeah. get this over with. I just want to take yeah. this baby home safe. Right? So I was uh-huh. like, that, there's nothing quite like having a baby to really just help you release any and all shits you might give about people seeing you in various stages of undress. 100%. Like, whatever, guys. Come on in. This is a show. So she called the doctor and came back and she goes, "Um, I need you to stop pushing. She's like, we have to wait for the doctor. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. And she's like, do you want to feel her head? Mm -hmm. And I'm all, do I? do I? I don't know, Stephanie. And she's like, yes. And she like grabbed my hand and like put my hand on the baby uh-huh. and like legit, I palmed the top of her head. What was that like? So I'd seen babies be born. Mm-hmm. So I knew in my mind's eye what this looked like, but the feeling, like I literally held her for the first time, like mm-hmm. waiting for someone to come catch her essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know it's that little soft smushy raisin, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, this is my child's head. Like this is the baby that I grew. Her head is here. Ryan is like, dad crying so hard because he can oh. see her mm-hmm. head. It's just like the hugest shock of dark hair. And for those of you who don't know, I am very blonde, and Ryan is very dark hair. So I'm like, well, it's definitely your baby. Yeah. So like I'm holding on to her head and like, I'm so glad she made me do it. Cause I'm like, do I want to touch that? I don't know. It's freaky. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And she was like, yes, you do. And so I, I'm holding on to her 
and doing my best to wait because your body wants you to push it real bad. Yes. Like real bad. It's a very natural feeling. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like trying to go against that is surprisingly difficult. (laughs) So I'm trying to hold her and I'm doing my best. And basically I held her head until this group of unsuspecting residents came in to do their regular checks and the doctor still wasn't there, but I wasn't going to let her like sit in that canal any right. longer. Cause I, you know, she wasn't going anywhere. Part of that process is, you know, sucking back in and going back out, you know, making sure there's mm-hmm. like movement in this. And I didn't want her just staying there. And so right. when the residents came in, I was like, Hey bro, are you ready to catch a baby? Cause we're doing this. And he was all, Oh, um, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, like all of a sudden, like 15 people bust into this room, none of which mm-hmm. were my actual like doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was just like 47 nurses, some poor resident. He's trying to put like, you know, his little scrub things on. Right. And I said, we're having this baby. There's no choice to push her weight. Like we're doing this. And yeah, so time. this is where things got funny. So like, you know, I'm unmedicated so I can feel everything, mm-hmm. including knowing that there was a poop coming. I knew I was starting mm-hmm. to poop. And I just remember, the, aside from like my Scientology birth, one of the only things I said was, Ryan, look at me in my face. Look at me in my face. <laughs> just like so focused on like watching the baby be born. I did not yeah. want him to watch poop come out of my body. And I'm all, look at me in my eyes, Ryan. Look, I don't want you remembering this. So he was good. And he looked oh at my me. God. Like I literally felt myself pooping. And I'm all, this is my nightmare. Oh my God. And so then like, I said that to him. He looked at me in my eyes. I could tell that it was over. And Stephanie's by my head. And I'm like, Stephanie, I just pooped. And she's like, I don't think you did. And I'm like, no, I definitely just pooped. And she was, I mean, I smelled it starting to happen. And I'm all, Stephanie's, oh my God. She's all, they just like scoop it up and run away. It's yeah. nothing that they haven't seen. And as everybody says, if you're pooping, it means you're pushing, right? So I just pooped mm-hmm. and I was like, cool. Just don't, I didn't need Ryan to see that. But yeah, yeah definitely pooped. <laughs> um, so that was one push was the poop. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then three more pushes and she was out. Wow. It went so fast. So fast. I probably, I probably only actively pushed from 10 minutes, like start like total 10 minutes from, wow. from when our one practice push turned into the baby's head was there to seeing her maybe 10 minutes. She was ready. Like it went so fast and I totally think it's because I ate all of those dates and drank that raspberry tea. <laughs> My service was like so right. It's such uh, a good bagel. The bagel was toasted and we were ready to go. Um actually that's a lie. The bagel was not toasted enough because it went really fast. Mm. So as she shot out of my body, mm-hmm. she did not leave me um in good oh no in good standing. Um I did Technically, it was only a first-degree tear, okay. But the it was an interesting tear. So I, you know, I had her. It was like the you 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 have seen a picture of like my face when I first met her. Like it was like so crazy. You're yes. so mm-hmm. relieved that she's here and she's alive. She had the cord wrapped around her neck, but they were so smooth about it. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. like freaked out, and I okay. think that's probably very common. Um, you know, I had the cord wrapped around my neck. It was a little more serious, but hers was just there. They pulled her out, unwrapped it and handed her to me. Wow. Like that Mm -hmm. was it. It was just like, pull it out, unloop it. Here you go. She cried immediately. Um, Mm -hmm. Ryan 
after the fact told me that he was so freaked out because her head looked like Marge Simpson's hair. <laughs> and I'm like, that's because she sat in the birth canal forever waiting for uh, these people. And I'm like, babe, totally normal. And within like an, a couple hours, it was like, you know, normal. But he was so freaked out. Yeah, baby I didn't heads, know that at the time, but I'm like. Baby heads are very like cone shaped when they're first born. Right. Uh, so if, right. You look at, if you look at newborn pictures, you'll definitely start to notice that, that they all kind of have these weird, funny cone shaped heads. Mm-hmm. That's literally mm-hmm. just from, yeah, passing through the birth canal and everything. Yeah, exactly. And then they just like blob exactly. back to normal. <laughs> yeah well it's, if you it's think amazing. about it like the way the way I think about their skulls is like if you were to um like lace your fingers together and clasp your hands essentially that's what the skull does to get out of your body and then it just kind of like it's all oh okay fine well we'll unfurl mm-hmm. ourselves like a beautiful little flower mm-hmm. um but it was interesting because her face I, you would have thought if she was a c-section baby if you looked at her face because it was not smushed because she shot out there so fast there was mm-hmm. not time for her to get like a weird smush face mm-hmm. and um but the the problem with that was I ended up having a bilateral labial tear from mm. basically both sides just kind of blew out because she shot out of there so wow. you know as as they were like cleaning me up and like sewing me up which took like a weird long time and I was like freaked out about it I asked mm-hmm. them like so how many stitches do I have Mm-hmm. And the doctor who finally got there, by the way, after everything, the actual doctor did my <laughs> stitches was so I'm like, thank you for, thank you for joining us. Thank yes. you. We had a baby already. Welcome. I think I might've actually said that. <laughs> thank you. Um, he was all like, technically only two. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then he holds his fingers in like an upside down peace sign and then does like little spiral whip motions all the way down each finger of the peace sign. And he's also mm. Technically, it's two stitches, but they're just oh, whip stitched all the way the length of your whole poor baby vagina. Oh no! So that was not fun. But technically, mm-hmm. it was only a first degree because it didn't, you know, go all the way to my beehole. So yeah. Anyway. Okay, so tell me about um, Rosie meeting Rosie for the first time. You, they plop her on your chest. What so was- yeah, they they pulled her out, plucked her on my chest, and like I was like wondering what that feeling would be mm-hmm. was it going to be that instant like I'm 100% a thousand percent infatuated with you oh my god mm-hmm. or is it just that like relief or is it exhaustion you know all these things and when they pulled her out and I saw her it was like a little movie in my head like birds flew out like like for reals, I was the most in love, like instantly with anything I'd ever been in my entire oh. <laughs> life. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh my God, little baby, you're here. You're perfect. You're so mm-hmm. beautiful. And she cried right away. She was super just like eyes open, animated. Like Rosie was never a potato, really. She was mm-hmm. always just like, hey world, I'm here. <laughs> Kendra's my mom. I have no mm-hmm. <laughs> And I just held her. And Ryan like cried. I could see his little glasses fogging up with his mask. And it just, it was really weird because I was so happy. And then I was like instantly like so sad looking at him because like that's how he had to meet his baby with like a mask on. Mm -hmm. And like, that was just so weird to me. And just such a COVID like thing. Like even now, Mm -hmm. she's like used to people wearing masks. She thinks it's funny, you know. Whereas in the very beginning, she was like scared because she couldn't see your face. But it's just, it's yucky, like how used to this that she is. That makes me sad. But Mm -hmm. 
she's laid on my chest. Ryan cut the umbilical cord. Stephanie, the nurse, was so wonderful. She thought, um, just so you know, I think you're like really good at this. And I'm all, yeah. thank you. She's like, you should do it again. And I'm all, like, never, no. Yeah. And she's thank all, you. but you know, your baby's like actually perfect. Like her Apgar score was like, mm-hmm. I think tops across the board. She's all, there's literally nothing wrong with your baby. And I'm all, oh my Aww. God, thank you. <laughs> I worked so, I worked so hard for nine like, months on this. <laughs> thank you. My favorite thing to make people uncomfortable with even now is they're like, oh, she's so cute. I'm like, thank you. I grew her myself. <laughs> I made this myself. <laughs> I think I said that the other day, like somewhere. But yeah, like after, like, so they took her away. They clean her. They wear. She was 20 inches even, mm-hmm. seven pounds even. <laughs> she was you. just like. Just perfect. The most average across the board. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong, nothing to write home about, and that's exactly what you want in a delivery. Like, right. I don't want it to be special. Like, I just want this to be the most run-of-the-mill shit you ever did today. Yes. Um. So, like, that was nice. I was exhausted. I still hadn't slept now for 48 hours at this point. It was 2, 1.55 in the afternoon. So 12 hours from my water breaking while eating in my bed to holding that baby was 12 hours. Wow. That's pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. I it's time to I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? After I heard yours, I'm all you poor thing. Oh my god. Um so like, you know, it's afternoon on the day of the fourteenth, and uh it might as well be the middle of the night, you know, because all the windows are closed and you just had a baby and you're trying to sleep and mm-hmm. you know, uh, they want you to try to breastfeed and you know, make that whole connection thing. And she put her little mouth on there and you know I don't know what I'm doing so I'm like is this Mm -hmm. right I watched one YouTube video uh, at my house about this hope we're doing this right and they're like oh well we'll have the lactation consultant come in and I'm like okay cool at this point I'm like thinking you must know what you're doing this is gonna be great it was not great but she latched and it looked good to me and then she would pop off Mm -hmm. and like my nipple like looked kind of misshapen and like, I remember watching the video and they're like, if it looks like a tube of lipstick, the latch isn't right. And so like, I felt like it mm-hmm. looked like that. The lactation consultant comes in and it's this, I don't know, she was probably 70, okay. like old lady, mm-hmm. which I'm all cool. Whatever. I'm down. Got experience. I'm old okay. too. Get in here. Like, let's do this. Right. <laughs> and she's just, it's the weird, it's the weirdest feeling to have some little tiny stranger just grabbing onto your boob and like trying to make it a sandwich makes a sandwich like stick it in your baby's mouth and -hmm. i'm all this is weird and i'm like is this looking okay like is my nipple supposed to look like that and she's like yeah yeah your latch is fine cool have a great time i'm like thank you Mm -hmm. and so i just like there we are like everybody's finally gone the baby's clean she's Mm -hmm. in my arms and it's finally like quiet and ryan and i just look at each other and we're like we just had a baby she's here and she's perfect and like it was about that time when the nurse came and she's like, okay, are you ready to try to go to the bathroom? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, be careful standing up with your epidural. And then she left because it didn't work. And um, Watch that thigh. That's all you. She was like the perfect nurse for me. Like, watch that thigh, which actually was a problem when I tried to step off the bed. I'm all, thanks, you guys. Thanks. Um, and it was funny because we were going to try to take a shower. And so she's in the bathroom with me. I am topless I think at this point no I had the gown on but like the open side so like like oh, a yeah. trying to sit on the toilet with like my poor insides like ripped apart 
then a pediatrician comes in to oh see gosh. the baby and the door is wide open. Mm-hmm. I'm like caveman crouched over a toilet trying to like wash myself, decide if I'm going to stand up and try to get in the shower. And she's like, oh, excuse me. I'm like, no, come on in. Look at the baby. There's nothing to see here. Like, come yeah. on in, whatever. And um, just don't mind me. I wasn't able to take a shower, which I was bummed because you just feel so gross. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, like, feel clean for a second. And I couldn't do it because I was still pretty dizzy just from, like, all of it. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a lot, man. And so we waited. Um, I changed into a different hospital gown. I did actually change into, like, a nightgown I brought, but mostly to go home. Mm. I would probably just wear that hospital stuff the whole time, especially because nobody can come see you. I right. feel like in normal life, you want to kind of look somewhat like your boobs aren't out for the world when like, you know, your aunt is coming to see your new baby. But with nobody else right. here, I was like, whatever, I'm not changing. So what we're laying there, I'm holding the baby. Ryan is so tired. Poor Ryan had to go to sleep. And I'm like, okay, just go lay down. I'm just going to sit here and stare at this baby I just had. Like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Bless his heart. He went through a lot too. It's fine. Next thing I know, I woke up and I was holding her. And I shot up so hard and so fast because mm-hmm. I was so panicked that I had fallen asleep with her in my arms on that like five foot tall hospital bed mm-hmm. and I almost ripped a bunch of my stitches because I sat up so hard and so fast thinking about all of the horrible ways that I almost dropped her mm-hmm. you know like off of the hospital bed and like that's the worst man the like intrusive thoughts started right there like you know you you imagine mm-hmm. the most horrendous scenarios and that pretty much is still continued now it's just in different levels uh, that was something um, I was definitely yeah, so not we, prepared for yeah. yeah no no and like you know you can imagine what the sound of her head hitting the tile would be and like no mom needs to know what that sounds like ever mm-hmm. but like that's all I could hear thinking I had fallen asleep with her and so then of course I couldn't sleep for like the rest of the time there because I'm like sure that I'm gonna like somehow kill her in my sleep I put her back in that little like rolly cart they bring you I slept for like I don't know a little maybe a half an hour and then you know you got to try to feed again it's like this never ending cycle and then Ryan's just over there with his useless nipples like not being helpful (laughs) useless man nipples useless nipples and so yeah then the next morning um well they take they take him off to do like the jaundice stuff and she actually ended up having um a bit of jaundice her mm-hmm. Billy Rubin was high and we had spent that one night and then the morning of the 15th they were like okay well if we discharge you you have to supplement with formula and I was like well what do you mean because my whole plan was I was going to breastfeed like that was mm-hmm. like my jam and um she was like well you need to get fluids into her to you know clear out like and you know get those numbers flush, down lower and yeah, I'm like okay well Exactly. Thank you. And so I was like, if this gets us out of here and gets me home at that point, I was like, cool, like, let's just do that. So they gave us those like pre-mixed formula bottles and mm-hmm. essentially just sent us on our way. And I was like, oh my God, you know, got home 24 hours, basically no, 36 hours, literally 36 hours from leaving to go to the hospital. We were home with a baby. Wow. Oh my so gosh. That was it. That's amazing. So <clears throat> Yeah, it was it was really fast. It was a week early. Um, you know, I made cookies four days later because I'm a psychopath. But um, <laughs> she did end up. Um, she was breached until 36, almost 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. So we ended up having to go in and get uh, several like hip ultrasounds for her because apparently when the babies are breached that long, it 
it can cause dysplasia. And she had a little bit of it and just like, you know, under coverage of that joint in the, in, in that area. And so we had to go, I think she had three follow-up hip ultrasounds. And by the last one, she made it to the, like just the right side of, of good. So we didn't have to worry about that anymore. Good. Mm-hmm. But that was it. That's how Rosie came in the world. And now she's here and walking a lot. <laughs> Eating like, <laughs> like it's their job. Good, good. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your story uh, with me and with everyone and just giving us a Yeah, glimpse. it was long. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was great, though. And just for giving, you know, a little glimpse into what giving birth during a pandemic was like for you and everything that kind of led up to labor and delivery. Um, is there any advice that you would give to uh, any upcoming moms here or anybody nearing their labor and delivery? You know, I've been thinking about this because I heard you ask this to the other girls and it's hard because, you know, we did this in like an extra weird space, but the folks that even the ones that got pregnant during pandemic kind of, I feel like had it a little not easier because having a baby is never easy, but not as scary because there's, you know, we know a lot more about this kind of thing. But I, my whole thing is to just really trust yourself, Mm -hmm. really trust yourself. You are the mom. Yeah. I tell Ryan all the time, like there's nothing that you can do to replace the fact that we shared a body. Mm -hmm. Like there's just things that I'm going to know and understand and intuitively feel that you won't ever do that. But I, I, every time I felt like I needed to trust myself on something was the time I really needed to do that because there's so much information from so many people, so much advice. Mm-hmm. Just go with your mom gut. Cause your mom gut is right. I knew stuff wasn't right with, you know, a couple of things. And like the nice thing, honestly, like Ryan and I try to look at this COVID situation as much of a blessing as we can in the sense that we have been given an opportunity to fully experience from start to now of this whole baby's existence together and support each other and become this like little three person unit. And Mm -hmm. as much as I would have loved for someone to come do the dishes or hold her while I took a nap, like we did this alone Mm -hmm. and we learned each other alone and I didn't have to hear a bunch of opinions and I didn't have to wade through all of these people telling me what I should and shouldn't do and here do this and feeling uncomfortable because your mom's doing weird things or your mother-in-law's being obnoxious or like whatever like mm-hmm. it was just us I joked and said it's kind of like you know back in you know the old days like on our farm you know our, our 300 acres I just have our baby all day while you go plow the field that's kind of how it is like I don't have anybody <laughs> Here, the, the, the closest thing to a dinner train was my godsend of a sister setting up a bunch of DoorDash for us because nobody could bring mm-hmm. us anything because we don't know anybody here, also COVID. And right. so, yeah, we every every uh, couple nights, she'd be like, what do you guys want for dinner? We would tell her and then somebody on that list would send us food. And that was amazing. That, like, amazing. that was the best. So, you know, <laughs> enjoy it. Because as everybody says, it just goes so fast. It really do go. Because mm-hmm. she's a year old and I don't know what happened. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, thank you again so much for sharing your story. It makes me so happy that Alfie gets to share his birthday with Rosie. And that I we get to it. kind of bond over that as well. And thanks everyone else for well, thank joining. Thank you so much for doing this.
Absolutely. It's uh, It's been so much fun. And I, I love getting to know everyone that much more. It's been amazing. Well, I love but, hearing them. So keep it up. <laughs> will do. Will do. And that's all for this week. And we'll see you back here next week. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Panda family. Thank you for listening. For episode updates and more, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at Panda Babes Podcast. That's P-A-N-D-E-B-A-B-E-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Or you can email us at pandababespodcast at gmail.com. I would also love it if you could rate and review the show on whichever app you're currently streaming so other listeners can find the Panda Babes Podcast too. See you next week.